0: Welcome back to the Beyond Macros podcast, a show where we help you get leaner, stronger, and perform better through nutrition, movement, and the art of working in. As some of you know, we just closed registration for our group program this week, but doors will be opening again in September. In the meantime, you can check out our complete guide to calculating and counting your macros and download the free calorie and macro calculator worksheet at beyondmacros.com slash macropod. You can also set up an initial one on one call anytime to learn about our one on one coaching options. Right now, our first coach from a pure obstacle course racing background is ready to take on clients. So, if you're interested in working with him, this is your chance to leapfrog our waitlist and get a discount on coaching. He has room for two clients right now, so, email me ASAP to let me know if you want to jump on this opportunity. You won't be disappointed. Just like former client Chris Crater, who lost 20 pounds and was shocked at how easy it was. If you were to tell me that I would have lost 20 pounds eating, you know, rice every day, and that's what people are trained to believe, that that wouldn't happen, but it does. You just have to sort of be smart about things. And now that I know it, I don't even think I have to be smart about it. I just, It's just sort of ingrained into uh, my thinking now. If you just get over that, like, two-week... Hump where like everything seems very daunting and um, maybe a little overwhelming. I think you're going to be set up for life after that because you you're just going to know you're going to know you know that this works. You can pretty much eat anything you want. It's not like I was. <laughs> it's not like I was eating steamed vegetables every day. In today's episode, I interviewed Adi Kazu of Working Against Gravity. I met Adi at her house in Austin after Paleo FX, and we played with steel maces and puppies in the backyard with a great crew. She mentioned some service work that she and her husband Michael had planned for the week, and we scratched the surface with some conversations about personal development, so I wanted to dive a little deeper. First off, a topic we haven't yet covered on the show is the benefit of service work. Adi's company started an initiative called WAG Impact after Hurricane Harvey, where members, staff, and some of their social media followers teamed up to help with the recovery efforts in Texas. They also helped out in California after the wildfires and now are putting their focus locally in Austin, Texas, where she lives. But why engage in service in the first place?
1: We were learning about how um, the more successful people become the more isolated they become and how important community is and physically like interacting with people and how important that is for your health and longevity and how I think it was Sebastian Younger who proposed you know national uh, mandated service work and how like that would be how amazing that would like change our community like we like I could really stay in my house and never leave I have I don't need to see a single soul. I can, like, make all my food. I work for my computer. I, like, never need to communicate in person with a physical soul ever. So I think we were, like, learning a lot about that and then realizing how, you know, we're very fortunate. And for so many reasons of, like, that we were just lucky. Like, we were lucky to be born to the families that we were born to and the countries that we were born in. And people aren't necessarily as lucky and how amazing would it be to just like what a ex- good excuse to connect with people and also um it's kind of selfish to get to do service like it makes you feel good just it makes them feel good so i think it really helps you um when you're doing service for others.
0: And although engaging in service for others does make you feel good and Adi enjoyed the process, there were some moments that made her pause and wonder how much of an impact they were having. That is why this time around, they were more picky about their service activities for WAG impact.
1: One of the reasons we wanted to do our own thing was because when we did the one in California and the one in Houston we were like giving people food but we, but the food was like skittles and mres and like like pizza and like kind of a bunch of junk food and it felt kind of like icky to be giving people like just junk food like that uh so we wanted to do something that can like either help give people real food kind of like urban roots where they're donating you know real food that they're growing uh, that's awesome. Like, we think that's really cool. It would be, like, how epic would it be if we had our own farm and we did kind of the same thing that Urban Roof is doing. Um, and we, like, maybe provide some type of education on, like, you live in this area, these are the grocery stores nearest to you, or these are the places where you can get food. Here are, like, very simple, quick, easy recipes that you can make for yourself to help educate people to eat you know, real food instead of having to give them Skittles. <laughs>
0: Through trial and error, Adia's narrowed down what she wants WAG Impact to be. She's not 100% sure what she wants their mission to be just yet, but this recent experience has led to a lot more clarity.
1: We did um, two things. We went, the morning we went to Urban Roots. It's like, um, it's like a farm and basically they teach um, youth how to farm. So we went and like helped them weed and harvest some beans, and the kids led all the groups. So they they like taught us how to farm and did all that kind of stuff. And forty percent of the food that's grown there is donated, um which is really cool. And the rest of it is sold just to like keep the program alive. Uh, and then the afternoon we went to the Central Texas Food Bank and just built a bunch of meals for people. And then the next day, we went to, um, well, we worked with Keep Austin Beautiful, which is an organization that goes around the city and just um, like cleans up. So we went to the east side of Austin and we just picked up like a bunch of litter in a specific area.
0: The other act of service I want to bring up is one that I admittedly copied for Beyond Macros. That act of service was that Adi wanted her coaches to have a weekend. As a nutrition coach, you are working to help people improve the way they eat. And people eat every day. So you might be getting an email from a client at 9 p.m. on a Saturday asking about dinner menus.
1: We got to a point where coaches were never getting any time off. So, like, they would get a message on a Saturday and they have to respond within 24 hours. Or they get a message on a Friday. Like, they get no time off. There's, they have to check their computer every single day of the week in order to meet this standard. And I, because I had set that standard from the beginning, I didn't know how to get out of it. I didn't think it was reasonable that people, I'm trying to, especially like the work that we do, like, you know, it's so emotional. And how do, how do we avoid our coaches getting burnt out?
0: Adi instituted a policy called WAG Unplugged, where coaches are not required to respond to check-ins on Saturdays and are supposed to unplug from technology so they aren't working every day and burning out. This is rippled out to create a culture of unplugging for clients as well.
1: So many people will post in our Facebook group on Friday, like, what are you doing for Wag Unplug tomorrow? And I think it really does give people an excuse to do something that they haven't done before. Like, oh, I always want to go on a hike. Like, you know how many people, how many people do you know that are saying that they they would love to go on a hike or they would love to do this in the city and they just never end up doing it because it's so easy to just have more work to do or, you know, be on the computer, or sit at home and do nothing. Uh, this kind of like gives people an excuse to go and do crazy things. I think our members are also kind of those kinds of people to begin with that like love an excuse to do this, but it just gives them a community to do it with. So it's, It's just easier to be like, yeah, it's why I unplugged today. I'm going to go hiking or I'm going to go. We had someone who was training for to climb Mount Everest. So she went on Saturdays and that's what she did. Like most of her like craziest elevation training.
0: So cool. I think every overworked person needs to create the sacred space for themselves to get out, play and try new things. Or in some cases, practice your least mode as Luke Lehman would say. And for someone like a D who works very hard, most Saturdays involve entertaining friends. As she mentioned, she doesn't physically get to see a single human for work. So this social connection is enriching. And she loves spike ball. But there was another habit that she's formed since hiring a functional medicine doctor that is a perfect least-mode activity.
1: I just sit and listen to 30 minutes of something by in my backyard. <laughs> That's all I do. It's so simple. Um, I try and do it like with as little clothing as possible just because the way it was described was like just your arms and your legs is not enough um, to get like your whole trunk in the sun too. So I just lay in a bathing suit in the backyard.
0: Speaking of least mode, it doesn't just apply to the gym. It also applies to nutrition. It is absolutely vital to take the time to develop awareness around your eating habits. And tracking, weighing, and measuring are great practices to develop that awareness. But sometimes planned diet breaks are important. This is a lesson Adi learned as WAG was growing rapidly in the early days.
1: After I 2016 Nationals, I decided I was going to stop competing. I... I think I made that decision because I was living in Santa Cruz at the time, and I was training completely by myself. So I didn't have a weightlifting team. I didn't have a group of people I would work out with. I would literally go to CrossFit West. I had access to the gym whenever I wanted, and I would just train completely and entirely alone. Like Nobody else was even in the gym. And it just got... For me, it was so draining. I just was so burnt out on training, was so burnt out on tracking my food. I went to like Mardi Gras and tracked all my food, everything I did. I went, My Michael and I travel all the time and I would just like really be like on top of my stuff, like going to the grocery store, making sure. And I could still enjoy myself, but I, after being so on top of my stuff, I think it's it was like six years of like 100% dedication to my nutrition. With like, couple days here and there where, you know, I obviously let loose a couple days, but it was just time for me to just take a break. And also, like, the company was growing so fast that the, I, I don't know if it was, like, the best decision to make, but it was a decision I made to focus more on that than to focus on, you know, being an athlete and tracking 100%
0: of my food. Six years of tracking is plenty of time to develop those skills d and I actually have similar stories in this regard. In my own nutrition journey, I started tracking in 2010 when I was following the zone diet and playing college lacrosse. And tracking continued all the way through until regionals 2016. After regionals 2016, I was burnt out and ready to take the training wheels off too.
1: I still have all the skills that you learn from tracking your food. Like you learned so much about what... What works for you? What doesn't work for you? How to like? How much is appropriate in terms of portion sizes? I still like. Definitely was conscious of my food choices, but I didn't track a single thing for like. I think for like a year and a half. Maybe there was like a couple months in and out where I just felt like okay, I need to like, you know, just get like a, just put some stuff in my fitness house, like recalibrate.
0: I like what Adi says about just. Throwing a few days in my fitness pal to recalibrate because in the 2017 game season, that's exactly what I did. Recalibrate for one week before the open, and again one week before regionals as my nutritional needs changed. From there, it was just a matter of riding the habits.
1: But when I'm like not tracking my food and still being conscious, my main things are to have most of my plate be vegetables or something like whole food that grows, uh, and then have leaner protein sources. If I'm going to have a fattier protein source, it's probably going to be some type of grass fed beef. And it's going to only be one meal of the day. And then I'm going to have carbohydrates just around my training. And if I don't train, I'm going to have less. Just like, those are just like my main things. Um, And then I have a sweet tooth. (laughs) I love eating a sweet thing every once in a while. So if I'm going to have something sweet, it's It's for me, it has to be in a social setting. So I'm not going to just go and grab something sweet and eat it by myself. Uh, I'm going to go be with my husband or we're going to go get frozen yogurt together or we're going to do something social. I think for me, that allows me to be a little bit more in control of how much I'm going to eat or what it's going to do to me afterwards. Like if it's going to trigger me to want to have more or um, I definitely have like the tendency to be like, oh, screw it if I just like ate some sweets by myself and I just know that about myself. So I I try and keep that type of treat or indulgence in a social setting.
0: As a side note, don't get overwhelmed by the six years that a D and I took to develop those skills. I don't believe it takes that long. I actually believe it only takes about 10 months because you can go through two 12 week phases of fat loss or muscle gain and two maintenance phases of about two months each. And from there recalibration becomes easy. With that said, people like my dad and Adi's mom are the type of people who experience less stress from tracking and have been doing it since we introduced them to the practice.
1: My mom is exactly like that. She's been, for almost four years, she's been tracking all of her food. She goes on vacation. It is not causing her any extra stress. But her, like, I would imagine your dad's lifestyle is the same as hers, where they're at a point in their lives where things are, like, kind of routine, where when WAG was growing, nothing was routine. Like some days I was working like for 13 hours straight, just like having to work or having to do damage control somewhere. I mean, there's like 30 things at a time that are just on fire. And I have to like be a firefighter figuring out how to put out these fires. And uh, for my mom, her life is like the same every day. It's so easy for her to track her macros every day.
0: One more topic I wanted to dive into was personal development work. If you've been listening to this podcast for a while, you've probably realized I focus more on this area than any other. And this is a nutrition podcast. And that's because I think inner work is the most easily overlooked piece of the fitness puzzle with the potential for the highest impact. And D lit up when the conversation moved in this direction.
1: This is like my favorite thing in the world. I love personal development. I think it is so uncomfortable, but also I really believe it's like the lead domino to any type of success in your life. Like the more you know yourself, the more um, successful you can become.
0: I asked Adi what personal development work she's done in the past that is still the most impactful today. She said unequivocally, it was the Landmark series.
1: Just provided for me a language for my everyday life to notice different Behaviors that I just hadn't noticed before, like different ways that I contribute to situations in my own life, and where I would like relinquish power. I would like blame other things, which gave it helped me not take any responsibility for my own life. And the landmark forum helps you realize where you're doing stuff like that. It's like hard when you talk about it in hypothetical. I'm going to think of an example to make it like more um, potent. I had um, uh, like an ex-boyfriend who I was convinced that he was like evil and he he was like out to get me and he totally screwed me over. And then through going through something like the Landmark Forum, I was able to be like, oh wait, no, like I'm only doing that to like relinquish myself of any responsibility that I had in that situation. And I'm like, not not seeing how I contributed. And through doing that, I saw, you know, there were things that I did that I was responsible for and I was able to call him and have a conversation and complete that and like own up to my piece of it, which was like a really powerful thing for me to do. I think it, it was awesome. It felt good.
0: And there were other takeaways from the series that you can reflect on and apply in your own life.
1: One big one is the difference between like, the story that we create and like what has actually happened. So something happens and then you have like an emotion or a feeling about it and you create this story of like why this happened. And um, that story shapes our entire life. And making, showing the difference between, okay, you know, someone forgot something that I asked them to do. I can turn that into a story of they don't care about me. They respect their own time more than they respect my time. But really what actually happened is they forgot to do that thing. And everything else is just a story that I've totally invented. Like I completely created that story and it's might not be true. You know, like there's, there's no reason to even entertain that story because it's painting a picture that is, is not real. It's not, it's not what actually happened. And we do that. I think people just are naturally doing that constantly. Like that voice in your head is making up stories about everything and it's completely made up. Like it's just, you just made up all these stories that aren't even real. And and when I realized that um, now when I get, you know, you get that like tension in your chest when like something is like making you frustrated or anxious, I like take a moment and I'm like, okay, is this a story or did this actually happen? Uh, And allowing myself to distinguish between, no, that's just like actually a story I've created. And even telling the story out loud to the person I'm creating the story about, like going to Michael and telling him, Hey, this is the story I'm creating in my head about what just happened. And he can be like, wait, that story is not real. This is actually what I, this is actually what I'm thinking. Um, And, like being able to notice that I'm doing that has profoundly
0: impacted my life. Adi and I talked for almost two hours and I just want to thank her for her hospitality while I was in Austin and sharing this great conversation. I hope you enjoyed the show. And if you did, I definitely recommend hitting subscribe so you get all of our shows delivered to your podcast app automatically. If you want to follow Adi, she is at adikazu on Instagram, and her company is at working against gravity. Next week, I am going to bring you an interesting episode from an interview I did a year ago with microbiome expert Raja In this episode, we will dive into his advice about how to recover the gut from antibiotic usage. And again, if you want to check out our complete guide to calculating and counting your macros and to download the free calorie and macro counting worksheet, head over to beyondmacros.com macropod. Thanks for listening, and I look forward to seeing you again next week.